All right, guys, you are locked on Falcons. I'm your host, Aaron Freeman. And today is a Monday mailbag episode where we'll be talking quite a bit about the Falcons pass rush, their offensive line, as well as if this team has the ceiling of making a deep postseason. You are locked on Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman. Been covering the Falcons for many years, formerly at FalcFans.com, RIP. Still going strong, however, on Twitter at FalcFans. And, of course, the host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, right here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is a Monday mailbag slash Q&A episode where you guys submitted your listener questions on Twitter, Facebook, as well as email to ask, you know, questions about how good this Falcons pass rush can be. Are the Falcons still having major concerns on the offensive line and how that may factor into their potential success this year, as well as the year beyond speaking of their success this year, you know, one listener wants to know, is this team capable of matching what the Hawks did in basketball this year with a coaching change, spearing a deep postseason run as we saw the Hawks after they uh, made the change to Nate McMillan, go all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals. Can the Falcons do that? We'll talk about that. And then we'll also talk about sort of the no more slogans and why, you know, addition by subtraction, maybe in some people's eyes with Arthur Smith's different approach uh, may or may not necessarily reap the the benefits that uh, people would like to believe. So we'll get into all those questions on today's episode. But before we get there, guys, I do want to talk about one of the national shows here on the lockdown podcast network. That's the Peacock and Williamson podcast. That's NFL analyst, Brian Peacock and former NFL scout, Matt Williamson covering every team, every game, Every move from around the NFL, you can get your picks and your previews every weekday on the Peacock and Williamson podcast, part of the Knockdown Podcast Network. Subscribe to it on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So before we get into the Q&A portion of the episode, I do want to um, talk about the news that occurred over the weekend. Obviously, the Falcons big event was the Falcons having their Saturday um, open practice at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Nothing I gleaned too much from that particular event other than, hey, Willie Beavers is getting first team snaps, which gives me some concerns about the Falcons offensive line moving forward. Obviously, Arthur Smith insisted that that was due to that was more a reflection of Willie Beavers playing really well in practice and working really hard than necessarily any indicator that Jalen Mayfield is struggling or anything like that. So he wanted to reward Willie Beavers. And certainly that's very fair. We'll talk a little bit later about Arthur Smith's quote unquote culture. And you want to see that from a coach um, in terms of rewarding players that are working hard and whatnot, but certainly does not necessarily clear any concerns that a player like Willie Beavers who hasn't played an NFL regular season snap since 2016. And he last played it on a pretty bad uh, Minnesota Vikings offensive line back then, uh, you know, is in the mix, you know, whether he's a front runner, back runner or whatever the case may be, or just basically getting a day of first team work because uh, of, you know, the effort he put in, in the first week and a half of training camp and we'll never get another first team snap ever again, you know, whatever the case may be, and it doesn't necessarily leave you allay any concerns about the Falcons offensive line and its performance this upcoming season when we're basically like, oh, might as well give Willie Beavers a look. But, you know, more importantly, over the weekend, we had two, three roster moves, two on Friday, one late Sunday night. The two on Friday involved 
Dante Fowler being activated off the reserve COVID list, uh, clearing that. And he should be back practicing on Monday as you guys are listening for his first practice uh, since he went on that list, you know, once camp opened and then two players were waived injured. That was wide receiver, Jeff Bidette, as well as defensive tackle, Deidre Sinat Bidette on Friday, Sinat late Sunday evening. And Bidette was the player that got hurt early in camp and, and facilitated the Falcons bringing wide receivers like Jamon Moore and, and Trevor Davis in those first, you know, nine, 10 days. Um, and sort of, you know, those guys, Bidette and Sinat, what that means is that they were going on injury reserve once they clear waivers, right? Bidette cleared waivers. Uh, he joins Sterling Hoffrichter, the punter, as well as tight end Jaden Graham, as already guys that were waived injured, put on injury reserve. Sinat will join them as the fourth player since Falcons camp has started. We knew Sinat already was, um, you know, on the pup list. And what this does is, you know, being on the pup list meant, he did not count towards the Falcons roster. Now he, that he's going to go on the IR. He also still does not count towards the Falcons roster, but this is basically the Falcons shutting him down for the rest of the season, as opposed to at least in theory, if he went on the pup list and we knew that he was going to miss all of training camp. And at least in theory, there was a point uh, in, in pr- towards the middle of the season where he could have come back uh, and contributed to the team. But this is essentially the Falcons shutting him down, whether, you know, that's due to, you know, injury issues or just simply the Falcons, you know, cutting their loss. Losses there. Uh, we'll never know because Arthur Smith does not divulge injury uh, related info. We don't even really know what any of these guys' injuries, other than uh, Jaden Graham has a knee injury um, and uh, Dean Jusinat has a upper body injury. We have no idea what the case is there. So this probably signals, as for Dean Jusinat, probably signals his last. He's probably played his last down in Atlanta. Uh, he is a free agent after this season. My suspicion um, is that he will probably be allowed to walk in free agency. You know, his last snaps came in that week 15 game against Tampa Bay. My recollection, pretty nondescript uh, snaps in, you know, that Tampa Bay game. And we, we know these shot was little used the last two years. Certainly a, a player that a lot of people blame Dan Quinn and his questionable decisions to not play him. Why not? And I'm sure moving forward, it will be firmly on the, this is why I, Thomas Dimitrov was a terrible general manager because he whiffed on this third round pick and Deidre Sinat. And we've talked about Deidre Sinat a bunch on this podcast. I'm not going to go over the whole thing. I'll just give you a cliff notes version, but it's basically every three to four months I get a mailbag question about Deidre Sinat. And so basically the gist of it is that, you know, I think you could make a case that the Falcons probably reached on Deidre Sinat, uh, probably a round too early as a two down run defender. You know, I think there was high expectations with him given that he was a third round pick and the Falcons had a desperate need at de- defensive tackle going into that draft. And so I think in part, some of the Deidre's not hype train was people probably overrating him and building him up to be much more impactful than what he w- actually was. And then of course he had a pretty solid rookie season showed potential. And, and you would certainly thought he would have been a regular part of the team's rotation. But starting in 2019, the Falcons wanted to incorporate a little bit more 3-4 looks as Dan Quinn was taking over the defense then. Um, and they brought in a, a pretty cheap and, and valuable piece in Tyler Davidson. And he gave the team very good value as that nose tackle for the first half of that 2019 season before the Falcons had to make a switch. And Raheem Morris took over the defense and they went a little bit away from that 3-4 looks back to their more 4-3 under uh, defensive looks. Uh, and, and Davidson was less effective. But we didn't see Sinat sort 
sort of get his job back and Davidson was brought back. Um, and so Sanat basically spent the last two years inactive. It didn't seem like if you've been listening to this podcast, I've been saying for several months that it was probably unlikely that Sanat was going to get a brand new lease on life with this new coaching staff and this new, you know, and be largely due to the additions that the Falcons made this offseason at defensive end, as well as, you know, after the draft signing three different nose tackles, that was not a necessarily positive sign that the Falcons were counting Dietrich not in terms of their plans this year or long-term plans beyond this year. So we've probably seen Dietrich tonight. He'll go down as, you know, a, a third round bust in some people's eyes. I don't necessarily see him as a bust, um, in that regard, because I, I do sit here and put him on the list of players, you know, along with the Sherrod Neesmans and the James Stones and the, the laundry list of players that longtime listeners of the podcast know I have in terms of players that I felt like were underutilized. Justin Hardy goes on that list as well. Um, I just didn't necessarily, I guess, cape for Deidre Sinat, as, as, as the youth say, uh, simp for <laughs> Deidre Sinat, as the youth say, um, you know, as hard as maybe some other uh, of my peers and whatnot. So he was never one of the, you know, I was going to ride or die for like, oh, I can't believe they, they did this to Deidre Sinat. But we've seen this happen time and time again, uh, these last, particularly these last couple of years in Atlanta, um, which was a contributing factor to, to why the team didn't necessarily uh, get the most out of their talent these last couple of years. But I think, you know, that's, that stuff is, is pretty minor. Uh, compared to some other big issues that we will probably uh, be addressing uh, very shortly on today's podcast um, as we move forward into the Q&A portion of today's episode, uh, talking primarily about uh, what Dante Fowler brings to the table in terms of this Falcons pass rush. And we will get into that coming up on today's Locked On Falcons. But before we get there, guys, I do want to plug the MLB side of the Locked On Podcast Network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite Major League Baseball team, including the Atlanta Braves. Check out the Locked On Braves podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So are you tired of getting killed by daily fantasy sports experts? Don't play experts. Play the house with Stat Hero. Stat Hero is the first ever daily fantasy sports book that puts the player in control and winning within reach. Here's how it works. Stat Hero shows you their lineups and dares you to beat them. It's you versus the house in a head-to-head fantasy matchup. You name your stakes, winner take all. You have the advantage. Stat Hero is showing you their lineups in the competition ahead of time. Pick the lineup you think you can beat. Go head-to-head with no pool of opponents. Play Stat Hero now and change the odds. Go to Stat Hero com slash locked on sign up for free and right now you can get three times back on your first play they're giving you 300 percent match that's unheard of by going to stathero.com slash locked on again that's stathero.com slash locked on so our first listener question comes from at falcon Outboy on twitter he asks, what can we expect from a pass rush unit led by dante fowler and how that can affect our secondary so for my Projections. I, based off of how many pressures I think various Falcon players currently on the defense will get, I have had estimations between a team total of about 230 to 300 pressures across 17 games. And depending on how you calculate, you know, converting pressures to sacks based off of averages, you know, there's, that's a floor representing between maybe like 25 and, and, and uh, a ceiling of potentially 50 sacks. So I would probably guesstimate somewhere in that 35 to 40 range is, is realistic. I think a realistic expectation for what I see from this Falcons pass rush. We haven't seen a Falcons pass rush eclipse 40 sacks since 2004. Now with a, 
17 game schedule, you know, the average pass rush, which is about 2.3 sacks per game across 17 games would eclipse about 40 sacks. So 40 plus 41 plus would represent a, an above average pass rush uh, for the Falcons moving forward somewhere, you know, closer to 45 or whatever the case may be would definitely be above average. And it's certainly possible. I think the Falcons could eclipse that number, but I don't necessarily know if it's going to be because, oh, they have such a great pass rush and Dean Pease fixed it all. You know, it could be, again, we don't know. These are all unknowns, but part of it could be, you know, facing off against lesser offensive lines with bad quarterbacks that take a lot of sacks, right? You know, pro football focus ranked the Falcons offensive line 24th this past week in their uh, NFL ratings. And the Falcons have faced three opponents this upcoming season that have worse ranked offensive lines. That's the Giants, Panthers, and Dolphins. So that incorporates four games. All three of those teams are helmed by quarterbacks that at least last year, we're talking about Sam Darnold, Tua, or Daniel Jones were in the upper like 12 of quarterbacks in the league, starting quarterbacks in the league. So above average or below average, depending on your perspective in terms of taking more sacks based off of their pressures. So you have an opportunity, at least in theory, if those offensive lines and quarterbacks perform like, you know, expectations, uh, you know, you could rack up some sacks. So in a world where let's say across those four games, you know, two, including two against Carolina, you get 18 sacks. That basically means for the rest of the, the other 13 games of the season, you only have to get 22 sacks and you already hit 40. And so like, that's one of those things that you have to look at because I could certainly imagine a scenario where the Falcons wind up having 42 sacks or something like that this year. And everybody's like, Oh, this is the best pass rush that the Falcons have had since 2004. The last time they had 40 plus sacks uh, and Dean Pease fixed it. And it's like, well, you know, Dean Pease fixed it for like three or four games, but for basically 75% of the season, you know, the Falcons had a below average pass rush. Uh, So we'll just sort of have to see and how that applies to the secondary, to the second part of your question. To me, the the interesting thing that we're going to have to pay attention to is that when you're looking at pass rushes, they're usually built front to back or or back to front. And we'll talk a little bit more about uh, where you would want to have both. But if you're going to be a blitz happy team, like the Falcons seemingly are going to be this year as they were last year, you know, you generally want to have high level secondaries. And, you know, you can question whether or not the Falcons have that. You look at some of these blitz-happy teams, teams like Miami, teams like Baltimore, teams like Pittsburgh, that generally throw a lot of blitzes and generally, at least, you know, not necessarily that they're getting, you know, Pittsburgh's getting like 50 sacks a year, but not every other team's getting, you know, 40, 50 sacks every single year. But teams that are at least doing better than the Falcons in that regard, you look at those secondaries and they have a lot of first-round corners. They have, you know, all pros at safety or whatever the case may be. And I just don't know if the Falcons have that in their secondary. We have a lot of optimism and hope for what AJ Terrell can be. You know, we hope that Fabian Moreau will be an upgrade over Darquez Denard, essentially because you can hopefully get decent number two cornerback play from uh, Moreau for an entire season while you only got that for seven-ish games under Darquez Denard a year ago. Uh, Deron Harmon, I think should be an upgrade over Ricardo Allen in terms of that deep safety responsibility from what we saw from Allen last year. But the other two positions, you know, I, I a little skeptical of, you know, I feel like with Isaiah Oliver uh, at the nickel cornerback position, we've already kind of seen his ceiling at that position. And I just don't know moving forward that he's going to be the ideal candidate that you, you know, he could got, he got you through 2020 because you didn't have better options, but I don't know. I don't feel good about, the fact that we, he's going to get us through 2021 and it's like, we couldn't find better options, which is part of the reason why I was so gung ho on, on Darren Hall taking that job. And the same thing goes for Richie Grant with Eric Harris at that free safety position, where again, you know, while I don't necessarily have high opinions of rookie defensive backs coming in right away and hit the ground running, you know, there's not a high probability, a high hit rate of those guys impacting right away. At least in theory, Hall and Grant give you higher ceilings than where I think the ceilings, at least my perception of the ceilings of players like Oliver and Eric Harris hit, 
are as starters. So that's one of the things that I'm looking to see how that develops this season. Um, and moving forward, part of me is kind of like, you know, we'll, we'll get into some of the reasons why, but you know, this defense is not going to be great. You might as well get your lumps out now from guys like Hall and Grant, especially if, you know, we're also buying into the narrative that this new, you know, amazing coaching staff is going to be better at developing and coaching up these players than our previous coaching staff was because they're going to be more detail oriented and more game plan oriented, which again, I say that like, it sounds like I'm being sarcastic when I say that. No, I'm saying that because that's the narrative and like, that's the narrative that I think should be true, but we'll just have to sort of see if it is true. So those are, I hope that answers your question. Our next question comes from uh, Padre1013 on Twitter. He asks, what do you feel is the team's most glaring concern at this point in the preseason? Also, is it something the team has the ability to address? Right now, it's the offensive line. It will remain the offensive line until I see them perform well in this preseason. As far as fixing the offensive line, I don't, you know, I feel like you can put a Band-Aid solution on it, but I'm not, I don't feel comfortable thinking or confident thinking that the Falcons are going to massively upgrade their offensive line between now and the start of the regular season. You go back to that 2015 summer, where we've talked about a ton on this podcast over the last couple of months of when the team went out and made trades for players like Andy Levitri and signed a whole bunch of veteran players uh, to revamp their offensive line before the start of the season due to their poor preseason performance. But people forget, like, you know, Andy Levitri is beloved in Atlanta nowadays because of his 2016-2017 season, but he was not good in 2015. Chris Chester was not good in 2015. Mike Person was not good in 2015. And we went into that following offseason feeling like at least two, if not all three, of the interior offensive line spots needed to be upgraded. We were successfully able to do that with Alex Mack. Uh, we tried to do that with Wes Schweitzer, but Chris Chester managed to pre- play better in 2016, as did Andy Levitri, and the rest is history. But it's one of those things where basically that you know, if that's the precedent that we're, we're following, you know, it doesn't necessarily suggest that you're going to make a move, you know, in late August or early September, that that guy's going to come in right away and, and be a solid piece for you. So if we're looking at a Falcons offensive line that currently is the 24th ranked unit in the league, I, I think that unit could increase its rankings by a few spots, maybe get as high as maybe 20th or something like that. But probably you're not going to go from like 24th to 14th based off of some roster move that you're going to make between now um, and the end of uh, a, a training camp in the preseason, in my humble opinion. You know, it takes offensive lines take time to gel. And, and that's that was part of the issue when we added Levitri. Um, You know, it wasn't something that was going to happen overnight. You need, you know, three, four months at, at the minimum, if not like uh, three, four months in a year, in an entire season plus um, to, to get these guys on the same page, which was also a contributing factor to why the offensive line improved in 2016. Uh, our next question comes from brave, dirty Hawk on Twitter. He has any closing thoughts on this year's Olympics. No, not really. I haven't paid too much attention to the last couple of Olympics. Probably the 08 Beijing Olympics was really the last time I, I really paid any attention to it. I, I, you know, because I operate in a sports landscape and peripheral on Twitter and social media and all this very stuff. You know, I follow a lot of people that are following the Olympics and, and whatnot. So it's, it's one of those things I, I paid some attention to, but I would probably guesstimate, you know, that over the course of the last couple of weeks, I probably watched a total of maybe two, two and a half hours of Olympic coverage, right? You know, basically I would scroll past a tweet 
you know, the, the eight seconds <laughs> that it took me to read the headline of who won and be like, I don't even know who that person is. Like that was about as in depth as my daily Olympic attention span was. So, uh, sorry, you know, to not give you necessarily a strong take in that regard. Uh, you know, I know Hawks fans have very strong takes about you know, the outcomes of the Olympics and, and certain players from Atlanta not being able to play in the Olympics and, and whatnot, but I don't necessarily care. Uh, so with that being said, we'll move on and, and wrap up today's Q and a episode by talking about Dan Quinn or getting rid of Dan Quinn, quote unquote, dumb catchphrases and slogans, as well as talking about whether this team can repeat like the Hawks and make a deep postseason run this upcoming season. But since we're talking about the Atlanta Hawks, let's talk about the NBA side of lockdown podcast network, where you can find a daily podcast devoted to your favorite NBA team, including those pesky Atlanta Hawks under the guidance of Nate McMillan. And you can check out the lockdown Hawks podcast hosted by Brad Roland on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. So guys, did you know that built bar, the best tasting protein bar on the market has nine delicious flavors, whether you're a fan of mint brownie, cookies and cream, cherry, barcia, double chocolate, salted caramel, coconut, raspberry, orange or strawberry. There's something for everyone. There's also the occasional limited time flavor too, like Rocky road available. Now you can try them all with a mix box and you'll want to, in order to get that healthy snack that tastes just like a candy bar with none of the guilt. Built Bars contain 100% real chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And it's not just about their great taste. They're healthy too. They're low in sugar and calories, high in protein and fiber. So again, you're getting that candy bar flavor without any of the guilt. And you can do so by heading over to built.com and use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. So BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline gives you the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, NFL, college football, and all your UFC and MMA action. And there's no time like now to get started at BetOnline while UFC 265 and the Summer Olympics are in our rear window. Of course, you got college football and NFL around the corner, and baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all that action at BetOnline. You can get real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, including Arthur Smith's chances of winning Coach of the Year, Matt Ryan's MVP odds, and Kyle Pence's chances of winning Offensive Rookie of the Year, as well as the betting odds on the over-under for yards and touchdowns you'll see from Falcons like Matt Ryan, Mike Davis, Calvin Ridley, Kyle Pitts, Russell Gage, and more. Get in on that action by heading over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, that's promo code Locked On for 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. So Jesse Dahl at this is the revolt on Twitter asks, are we really past the era of dumb slogans and catchphrases every single week? Well, um, probably, I mean, you know, my opinion is I don't get too caught up in the weeds of like this coach versus that coach. I joked on Twitter, uh, last week or the week before I can't remember they all blurred together, but, um, you know, I make so many great jokes on Twitter, but, um, I joked on Twitter about the differences between how Arthur Smith and, and Dan Quinn brushed their teeth, because I just think people tend to get a little bit too caught up in the weeds of like, this guy's different because he makes, you know, Dan Quinn's about slogans and, and catchphrases and Arthur Smith's about discipline and making guys run after practice. And I just don't think that stuff really matters all that much. I mean, with, to me, you go back and, and part of my jadedness and cynicism is not just general negativity, but I, I've just seen, I've seen this all before people were hyping up, 
Dan Quinn, when we fired Mike Smith and said, Oh, Dan Quinn does this. And Mike, you know, and they did it for Mike Smith, and Bobby Petrino did it for Bobby Petrino, you know, shocked as you may be to Bobby Petrino, and Jim Moore, Jim Moore, to Dan Reeves, Dan Reeves, to June Jones, June Jones, to Jerry Glanville, Jerry Glanville to whoever else was before him, Marion Campbell or whoever, Lehman Bimmon. I don't even know. So, you know, this is what fans do. And I get it. Like, I, I understand you want to be excited about your favorite football team. I understand it, but it's just like, you love the coach until you don't Right? Everybody loved Dan Quinn's catchphrases and dumb slogans until they didn't Right? because he didn't win games. And that's really all that matters. And that's the difference between me and other folks. This is why I'm jaded and cynical. Cause I'm like, at the end of the day, all you really care about is the wins. So don't sit here and pretend that you really care about, you know, this guy's off season work ethic or, you know, this guy's slogans or how this guy runs practice. I mean, we're talking about practice this man you know not the game um so like you know i just sit here and i i just kind of roll my eyes when i see fans get so caught up and so excited about this all this stuff like you know to deon jones it matters you know to to foyer aloha kun you know how arthur smith runs the practice matters but to you and i like i don't care like win games you know and that that was the the issue with dan quinn like you know i think people try to focus on like the wrong things that act like oh this is why dan quinn failed it's like dan quinn failed if we're going to be reductive he failed for two reasons right his poor offensive coordinator hires steve jarkeesian was a step down from kyle shanahan kyle shanahan was a great hire Steve Sarkeesian was a big step down from Kyle Shanahan and Dirk Cutter was a big step down from Steve Sarkeesian. And the Falcons have always been throughout the Matt Ryan era, a offensive driven team, much to the chagrin of so many uh, Falcon fans. And we'll talk about, you know, that whole issue later, but the Falcons have always been an offensive driven team and they no longer had the type of offense that could drive the bus, right? That could steer the ship to a high level in a high degree. They had much closer to an average offense for far too many years under Dan Quinn because of questionable coaching offensive coordinator hires post Shanahan, right? And so what you needed to have happen, the second reason why Dan Quinn failed is because the defense couldn't pick up the slack. And the main reason why the defense couldn't pick up the slack had nothing to do with the scheme. Everybody makes it all oh, the, the cover three scheme is broken and it doesn't work. Until, it works plenty fine. The Chargers did it. The 49ers did it. The Jaguars did it. You can run a cover three base scheme and be successful and play quality defense in this league if you have the horses. That's what those teams had. Saxonville, the Bosa boys, Melvin Ingram, etc. Right? You got to have horses. And unfortunately for the Falcons, they invested in 2015 through 2017 with Beasley, Jarrett, and Tack, and then they basically got complacent and they said, oh, we don't need to do any more. And they stopped in 2018 and 2019. Then they tried to reinvest in 2020, and it was too late. It was two years too late. The, the, the offense and the defense have already been derailed. The, the train was off the tracks, whatever you want to call it. And it was too late to, to, to turn the ship around, so to speak, because it was taken on water and all that sort of stuff, all the metaphors, right? And so that's really the core issue. So if you want to get caught up in the, you know, oh, I'm, I'm so happy that we're not, I mean, everybody loved various slogans. Like that's what, that's why I find it so funny. Like how hard people go in the opposite direction when they spent the better part of like four years going in the, the other direction. Right. Cause I remember in that spring of 2017, when the Falcons made the switch from rise up to in brotherhood as their like hashtag or whatever you want their slogan or whatever the case may be. And I remember thinking like, this is generic and dumb. And everybody was like, Oh, Aaron, you're just a hater and blah, 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 blah. I love it. It's great. It's wonderful. And it's like, man, like, what are we a, a monastery in brotherhood? Like, what is that for? Like, that's the most generic football related uh, hashtag or, or statement or slogan or whatever the case may be. And now all of a sudden everybody's like, I hate slogans. And I'm like, you guys love them slogans, you know, four years ago or whatever the case may be. Now, you know, this is why I have my arrogance where I sit here and say like, I say a thing, 
people disagree with it. And then I just have to wait six months and then, or however many long an indeterminate amount of time. And people will say the exact same thing and just say harder. And like, I'm just going to say it louder. So it makes it seem like it was originally my idea or whatever. Because again, I'm not sitting here saying like, I have ownership over every idea, but it is one of those things like, really? Like, really? Okay. So that's my whole thing with, with Arthur Smith and whatnot, being able to uh, be successful. I mean, to me, at the end of the day, Arthur Smith's success is going to hinge on his ability to dial up a, a dynamic, explosive, elite offense and get this offense back to cooking. And then whoever's running the ship on defense, being able to basically pick a path, right? Which is, are you going to be a blitz happy, build back to front defense? Or are you going to be a zone happy, you know, get reliable pressure with four build front to back defense. And the Falcons haven't made that choice. And the one main downside that you have with Dean Pease, the one knock that my good friend, Tyler Rowland, the host of locked on Titans uh, talked about with the hiring of Dean Pease. The one concern is that he is less interested in sort of being an elite at anything, having an elite secondary, having an elite pass rush. And he's more concerned with being a Jack of all trades and being good at a lot of things, but not great at anything. And that to me is not a great path to go down in terms of achieving high level defense. You got to figure out what you want to be great at. And now you may sit here and say, well, we need to be great at both coverage and pass rush. Okay. Then I need to see you spending significant dollars and draft picks and capital on those positions, which is why, you know, the offensive line needs to step up, but we'll sort of talk a little bit more about that with our last question, which comes from Ryan to Kyle Pitts on Twitter. He asks, what are the chances that the Falcons make a deep playoff run in 2021 under Arthur Smith and Dean Pease, like the Hawks did with Nate McMillan coaching change? Um, it, it exists. I don't think it's a particularly high one. And if we're talking about a deep postseason run, similar to what the Hawks did going to Eastern conference finals, let's talk about going to the MC championship game. And what determines whether a team goes to the NFC Championship game? Well, let's look at the the final four teams over the last five years. So we got a 20-team data set. And let's look at their Football Outsiders DVO rankings on offense and defense, right? Now, the average offensive ranking for those final four teams uh, over the last five years was four and a half. So a top five offense. The average defensive ranking was 14th for those final four teams. And what's interesting is 70% of the final four teams, those 20 teams uh, over the last five years had top five offenses, according to football outsiders and then uh, further 35 or further 45%, I'm sorry, had a top eight offense. So only one out of the 20 teams did not finish in the top eight in offense in football outsiders, DVOA rankings uh, that made it to the final four. And when you look at the defensive side of the things, only five were, were top five teams. So 25% and six were top top eight, top 10 teams. So only 30%. So what that's clearly telling me, and I'm sure others is that offense is driving team success in the future, which is part of the reason why you don't hear me spending nearly as much time as many of my peers and other, other fans talking up the Falcons, even talking about how it comes together. It's like at the end of the day, you know, the thing that's going to drive this team's success is having a high powered offense. That is the way that the league has been going the last five years. And there's no reason to think that's going to change unless we get a massive dip in quarterback play over the next, you know, five to 10 years, which is probably not going to happen. And, or the league changes the rules that sort of makes it easier for defenses to get stops, right? Bringing back, like, you know, you can jam receivers in the first 12, 
12 yards of the play rather than only in the first five yards of the play or something like that. You know, like unless they bring in those types of rules or like, oh, you get an extra pass rusher, you know, that can come unblocked from the sideline to hit the quarterback, you know, something ridiculous like that. You're not, you're not going to see this go away anytime soon. So when we're talking about this team's ability to reach that ceiling, right, we're talking about their ability to get a top five offense. And as I said, you know, earlier this offseason, as well earlier this summer, you know, with Julio Jones on the roster, I felt much, much more confident that this team's ceiling was well inside the top five. I felt like their eye level with Julio Jones on the roster was probably like seventh, right? I feel like now their ceiling is probably closer to seventh um, than it, it is their eye level. Their eye level is probably closer to 10th or 12th at, at this point without Julio Jones, but we'll see, right? So the key is going to be Sans Julio Jones getting this unit to play at a high level. And let's be clear. I think Matt Ryan, I think Calvin Ridley, I think Kyle Pitts are all going to have great years. I think when we look at their respective positions, whether we're looking at pro football focus grades or other means of protection or efficiency metrics or whatever the case may be, these guys are going to be in the top five, top seven, top 10 of their respective positions. I don't have that much concern about those guys. Now, again, Kyle Pitts, that's a lot to put on his plate. That's a high bar to clear for a rookie tight end that historically rarely hits that bar, but I think Kyle Pitts has a chance to do it, has as good a chance as anybody to do it. And so I don't think it's unrealistic to think that he can be that guy. And let's be honest, there's basically three great tight ends in the NFL and the drop from four to 10 is not significant, right? The drop from three to four is bigger than the drop from four to 10, right? And so Kyle Pitts, if he's the fourth best guy, it doesn't mean that, you know, he's just basically the fourth the best of the next seven guys that that second tier, the Mark Andrews of the world type of tight ends. And I think Kyle Pitts can reach that level, but the question is going to be, what about the rest of the offense? And that's where you need Mike Davis and Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage and all these other guys, as well as the offensive line to step up. And if you have a, a explosive enough offense, you don't need great offensive line play, right? We talked about the offensive line improving in 2016 from where it was in 2015, but that still was not a great Falcons offensive line in 2016. They gave up a lot of negative plays, a lot of sacks, a lot of tackles for loss. They were like the second worst third down offense in the league in terms of giving, preventing sacks, right? But they were able to generate high plays. And, you know, if you lose five yards on the sack or you lose two yards on the tackle for loss on a run play, does that really matter if you can get 25 to 35 yards on the next play because you're an explosive dynamic offense? That's kind of the point I'm trying to make. So this offensive line needs to step up. And we talk about them being 24th, right? We need them to outperform that ranking, right? 18th is probably good enough, but ideally you do get them to play 14th and you get basically uh, to, to borrow a parlance from my neighbors up North from the uh, hockey, you know, you need some of these offensive linemen to be standing on their heads, uh, playing, you know, lights out as rookies right away. Uh, and if you can get that, then you really have a chance of this offense cooking. And also you need Davis, you need Hurst, you need Gage stepping up. And again, you don't need those guys to be top five, top 10 at their respective positions. They don't even need to be top 15 or whatever the case may be, but you need a sprinkling of gains here and there. Like you got from that 2016 team. Well, like you got from Tevin Coleman against the Broncos that year, Taylor Gabriel against the Cardinals, Aldrick Robinson against the 49ers, where it looked like those guys on that given Sunday was the best football player on the field, right? You need those 160 yard, three touchdown games for Mike Davis, where he gets 80 yards rushing, 80 yards receiving. You need that from Hayden Hurst where you need, you get, you know, six catches for 90 yards and two touchdowns where he's a dominant red zone threat. You need to get in that nine catch 130 yard game from Russell Gage, you know, where he's getting two or three big plays in that game that are setting up scores uh, for the Falcons to put up a lot of points on those Sundays. And if you get that, 
coupled with you know my expectations from Ryan Ridley and Pitts, and of course everybody staying healthy and whatnot, and the defense being whatever. They just got to be good enough, right? DMPs in terms of getting a defense that's good enough, I have the utmost confidence that DMPs can do, handle that job. If we're talking about DMPs getting a defense that can stand on its own with an offense, a Falcons offense that's not dropping 26, 27, 28 or more points per game, I don't know if Dean Pease is going to be able to pull that off with the current Falcons of Arsenal. That's where I tend to be skeptical. But if it's just good enough to like, hey, with this offense dropping 28 to 30 points every single week, and we're winning a lot of these games against, you know, the Giants and the Jets and the Jaguars or whatever the case may be, you know, 28 to 21 or whatever. Like, I think Dean Pease can get there. 28 to 24 or whatever the case may be. Yeah, I think Dean Pease can get there. So. If you do that, yes, it is possible that the Falcons can get hot at the right time, be playing their best football in January with this high-powered top-five offense and maybe make a run you know, deep into the postseason. That is possible. Again, I don't think there's a high probability. I'm not going to hold my breath that that is the expectation I have for this upcoming season. Now, I think it's probably a little bit more plausible to have those expectations going into next year because you're getting year two of Ryan, you're getting year two of Kyle Pitts, and you're hopefully addressing some of these offensive line concerns, maybe replacing some of these skilled position players, possibly guys like Hurst, uh, Davis, and Gage uh, with more dynamic, explosive you know, talents in the draft or in free agency or whatever the case may be. So you have an, a little bit more, there's a little bit more potential. I can, I can buy, buy in a little bit more on the 2022 Falcons offense being that top five unit given the unknowns right now um, versus the knowns, uh, you know, and so I think that's going to be the question for me moving forward. But, you know, I think this Falcons team has potential for me with Arthur Smith. My general point is like, I don't have any beef with Arthur Smith or Dean Pease. I just like, you're not, I'm at this point in my career where you're not going to get me to automatically buy in to a new coaching staff because I've heard it all before how this coach is going to be great. And then they are, Right. Early on, that's been the trend, whether, we're, you know, going back to Dan Reese or even really June Jones and Jerry Glanville, those first two, maybe three years, you get a lot of success early on where you're like, oh, this team is poised for something and they never are able to sustain it. And so, like, I want to see Arthur Smith like, hey, they come out, you know, firing on all cylinders and, and, and going to the postseason. And hey, this is the fast start. But where are you going to be in years three? Where are you going to be in years four? Obviously, I'm not necessarily that concerned with year three and four right now, but it is one of those things where it's like. You know, give me that initial buy-in by winning games this upcoming season, and I'll sing the praises of Arthur Smith all day long, right? If we drop a 40-burger on the Eagles week one, you know, you're going to hear me on that uh, rapid reaction being like, yep, you know, I was if I was the last one on the Arthur Smith bandwagon, then so be it. But I'm aboard, baby. Like, let's go. But, if, you know, I'm not going to sit here and say, like, he has to drop 40 points on the Eagles week one, or else he's not going to get my... Uh, uh, respect or anything like that. But I'm just sitting here saying like, that's how I roll. Like I, I'll believe it when I see it at this point in time. And you're not going to get me to buy in all oh, because you got guys to run after, you know, after they got a penalty in practice, like, Oh, whoop de doo. Like who cares? Right. You know, if I was Dion Jones, I would care. I don't want to run, but like I'm Aaron Freeman. I'm sitting on the couch eating chips, right. While these guys are running for practice. I don't care <laughs> whether they run or not. So, you know, that's just my stance. It's the old cynical jaded Aaron, but uh, you know, you don't have to be cynical or jaded because, you can get uh, some money in your pocket as we wrap up today's Lockdown Falcons podcast. If you subscribe to the Lockdown Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q, as well as handicapping expert Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. Of course, the Lockdown Bets podcast is giving you those daily picks, those blowout specials, wrong team favorite, and Lee's lock of the day. Follow the Lockdown Bets podcast presented by betonline.ag on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. So, guys, there you have it. I know a little bit of an abrupt ending, but, uh, you know, I'm looking at the time and I'm like, hey, we're running long. Um, 
So if you want to send in questions for future uh, Q&As, you can, of course, do so by hitting me up on Twitter at Lockdown Falcons, on Facebook at Lockdown Falcons, or you can send an email to LockdownFalcons at mail.com. And we will get you guys geared up for the rest of this week with some guests, as well as getting you geared up for this Friday night preseason action as the Falcons kick off their summer season. And hey, you look, you know, they, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, they dropped 63 points in a preseason game. I'm all in on Arthur Smith, but certainly it would be a, a, a fun Friday evening, at least entertain me for three and a half hours on Friday. So, you know, I'm looking forward to that and we'll get you guys geared up. And of course, we'll probably wind up doing six days a week and I'll give you that rapid reaction on Saturday to whatever happens on Friday evening with the Falcons in their preseason game against, you know, Julio Jones and the Tennessee Titans. You know, Julio Jones, I'm, I'm like 99.998% certain that Julio Jones ain't playing uh, this Friday. We'll just have to sort of be looking at him staring longingly on the sideline chuckling with Matt Ryan pre and post game or whatever the case may be. Uh, and uh, that's what we'll just have to do. And I'm rambling now and I appreciate you guys for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow with more until then.